and we're underway at the corner of Carnegie and Ontario. Hey everybody, welcome back to Mad Dog Pod. I'm Nate. I'm Gabe. And I'm Andrew. Make sure to follow us on our socials and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Music and Spotify. Today we're going to be talking about the MLB's restart plan and how it may affect the Cleveland Indians. To start this episode off, we're going to go over the MLB's plan and just go over the basic details of it. So their plan is to have a 60-game season with normal playoffs in late September, hopefully, and each team is playing... Uh, is supposed to be playing the games in their home stadiums. They're all having training camps right now in their home stadiums, but that's also subject to change. The MLB has other options as backup plans that sees the games kind of like what the ML- uh, the NBA is doing, being played in either like a centralized location, and they've said Texas, Arizona, or I think there's places in Florida they're considering as backup plans. So we really don't know where the games will be played. All we know is that it's supposed to be a 60-game season with regular playoffs. The regular season is anticipated to begin on July 23rd, and the Cleveland Indians schedule would look something like 40 games of the 60 against our division opponents in the AL Central, and then the rest of the games would be against our geographic counterpart in the NL Central. In the proposed 60-game plan at uh, training camp, which will be held in the uh, home stadiums of the teams, as Nate said, teams are allowed to invite as many as 60 players to training. And once camp ends, they will break, they will cut that squad in half to at least 30 players. And there will be an additional around three to four person taxi squad that accompanies the team to every game, which will probably be filled with minor league players just to get them some time because the minor league season has been canceled. Um, two weeks into the season, the roster will shrink from 30 to 28. And two weeks after that, there will be a 26-man roster for the remainder of the season. And it's also important to notice that this can all be subject to change. Say, Florida, if they're planning to do the games of Florida, Florida uh, shuts down statewide, and all of this could be thrown for a loop. Yeah, the MLB has said that they are like going to be able to move games if any state does shut down. So say like they're playing the games in the home stadiums, but Ohio is just like, no, we're not doing this. They shut down in the middle of the season. The Indians games could just be moved to like the Pirates stadium or some college stadium in some random state. And because there's no fans, it wouldn't really affect anything. So the MLB does have the power to change the season while the season is happening, which is something that might benefit the plan itself and make it work more smooth. I think we should now transition into how the Cleveland Indians will be affected by this shortened schedule this year. Notoriously, the Indians have always gone off to a bad start. Their best record uh, through 60 games under Tito Francona was... 34 and 26 and that occurred the 2016 season when we went to the world series also some of our players also start off slow like last year jose ramirez was hitting 202 through the first 60 games and it's ultimately what cost us against the twins also the past two seasons our worst 60 game stretches in those seasons were the first 60 games so it's kind of a known thing around the league that we are bad at like getting off the blocks in seasons But I think that this will be turned around this year, and actually we will have 
like a really good 60 games to lead us into the playoffs for a couple reasons. I think the main issue that our team has heading into the season and starting off the season is that they have spring training down in Arizona where they're playing in warmth. They're like playing in like a more baseball climate. And then they have to come up to Cleveland to play games in like April and May in sometimes snow, freezing weather. And for a lot of our players who come from places where they're playing in the heat year round and they come from areas where like they do not play baseball in the cold, it's really hard for them to hit. It's really hard for them to get velocity and to play their game right off the bat in a like colder climate, especially when they're coming from spring training in a hotter climate. So since this year is going to be played entirely in the middle of the summer, I think our players will be more used to it because it's going to be all in the summer. It's going to be hot outside. It's going to be baseball weather, and it's going to be something they're more used to. And talking about our players, I think we should take into account if you're if you're an Indians fan or an MLB fan of any team, don't expect any moves to be made with players because there's just it's going to be very hard for any at least any big name players to be traded. So if you're an Indians fan, expect Francisco Lindor to be on the team for the rest of the season. And if he was going to be traded, it would be next off season. As we mentioned earlier, the forty game or the forty games against our own division will be against, you know, the Twins, White Sox, Tigers, and Royals. We'll only play each of them 10 times. And then the NL Central games, which is only going to be 20, it'll be four against each team, which is the Milwaukee Brewers, Chicago Cubs, St. Louis Cardinals, and Pittsburgh Pirates, and the Cincinnati Reds as well. I think the Central Divisions are definitely the place to be if you want to have a good record this year and make the playoffs. If you look at the other divisions, like say if the Indians were in the AL East, you would have to play 10 of your games against the Red Sox, 10 against the Blue Jays, 10 against the Yankees, uh, 10 against the Rays, and then also deal with a really strong NL East with teams like the Mets, Braves, Phillies, and Nationals. And same thing goes for the AL West and NL West. So I think that because we are in the AL Central, it's going to help us out a lot because we get 10 games against the Royals, 10 games against the White Sox. We also get uh, four games against the Reds, four games against the Pirates. And uh, I think overall, because we're in the Central, we're going to be playing worse teams on average compared to the other leagues which will help us out overall i also didn't even mention that we get 10 games against the tigers too which if you look at playing 10 games against tigers 10 against royals we should be winning around 15 of those games which will automatically set us up really well for the playoff run yeah i mean you look at the division and really it's just us versus the twins up top i mean i really don't see anyone else competing with us uh what do you what do you guys think i think well, obviously the Twins were really good last year, and I think they've improved, honestly, through the offseason. They added Josh Donaldson, who had a career resurgence last year, who was really good with the Braves. And then they've also, their biggest hole last year was their pitching, and they added Kenta Maeda, who's a solid third uh, middle rotation guy who they're going to have probably in their third uh, as their third pitcher. But the team to watch out for, I think, that's going to be surging to the top this year is the White Sox. They've added Dallas Keuchel who's a proven starter in this league and is very good. They've added Yasmani Grandal to go along with James McCann, who was a good... They have two good catchers this year. And Tim Anderson has obviously been one of the best hitters in was obviously one of the best hitters in baseball last year. And finally, they added Edwin Encarnacion. 
So along with Jose Abreu and him, they have extra pop in the lineup. So they're going to be a team to watch out for this year. They're also one of the like most up-and-coming teams, along with teams like the Blue Jays and Braves. They have a bunch of young talent, like Yoan Moncada at second base. They also have players like Eloy Jimenez, who hasn't gotten that much time in the MLB yet, but he's one of the best outfielders up-and-coming. He's the guy who signed that gigantic contract before even playing an MLB game. I think it was last offseason. He signed a contract worth like 70 to $80 million guaranteed, and he hadn't even played a game in the league yet. And they also have players, obviously, like Jose Abreu, who's been a headline for them in a couple for the past couple years, even though he is still relatively young. So their roster is definitely one to look out for, and that could cause us problems within the AL Central this year. Also, they arguably have one of the best pitchers in the AL Central with Lucas Giolito. He was a beast last year, and I expect him to do more this year. So that is a team that could threaten us this year and along with the Twins. So we might not have the easiest path with the White Sox being a better team. But as we I said earlier, we still have the Royals and the Tigers sitting there as free wins. They haven't done that much recently. They haven't added to their roster. And last year, they were two of the four worst teams in the league. So having a third of our games this season played against those two teams will be really crucial for the Indians and will help us challenge for a spot in the playoffs. But of course, the White Sox and the Twins both also get 20 games against those teams. So it might not benefit us us that much. But if you're comparing us to other divisions, like if we have to compete with the Red Sox, the Rays, or the Yankees for a wild card spot, having those games against the Royals and the Tigers is going to be crucial in getting us a wild card spot if we lose out to the Twins or White Sox. Now that we've looked at rosters from other teams in our division, let's transition into the Cleveland Indians roster this year and how we think players on our own roster will be affected by this shortened 60-game season. One of the things that kind of went under the radar within the Indians this season was the suspension of Emmanuel Classe, who was the big up-and-coming relief pitcher that we got in the Kluber trade. This is going to be something that's interesting in whether or not the season gets finished because he originally had an 80-game suspension from the MLB, but because this season's only 60 games now, the MLB renegotiated and they decided that like the 20, the 20 games difference between the 80 that he originally had was suspended for and the 60 that are only going to be played this season is just null and voided. He's once this season finishes, if it finishes, his suspension is over and nothing will be carried over. However, if this season does get messed up, this season stops, there's a break in the season, they'll have to renegotiate. But something the uh, Indians fans can look forward to is having him ready to play next year. Another thing to look at is within our spring training roster, we originally had three of our key players who weren't going to be ready for spring training and potentially weren't going to be ready for opening day. But because now it's all been pushed back three months, Mike Clevenger, Carlos Carrasco, and Tyler Naquin are, are all fully fit, fully ready to play, and they're practicing right now, which is great news for Tribe fans. Everyone is ready to play. Everyone is uh, like doing fine, no injuries whatsoever. As I mentioned before, the minor league season is canceled, so the Indians who have leaned on their player development in the past and had players like Bieber, Lindor come up through the farm system, that won't be able to happen this season as the minor league season is uh, 
suspended and won't happen. So players like Jeffrey Rodriguez, who is an up-and-coming pitcher, might it won't get playing time most likely. He might be added to the, the 30-man roster after camp, but it's very unlikely. And also players like Yu Chang, Bobby Bradley, Daniel Johnson, Scott Moss, and Nolan Jones, who is one of the top prospects in the Indi- won't in the Indians organization won't get it won't be able to play this year. So that will probably affect their growth and it may affect the Indians long term going into the future. Something that we could see and something that's happened in the past a couple of times is like inner squad scrimmages where we have our players who are like developing play against each other, like not televised, obviously, or something that we could do is having like a up and coming pitcher like Jeffrey Rodriguez throw batting practice to players, get some bullpens in with live hitters, which would help our hitters like Francisco Lindor hitting off Jeffrey Rodriguez and also help him. So the Indians will be looking for ways to make sure those players still get their reps, obviously. But it is a little unfortunate that not only the Indians' up-and-coming prospects, but prospects around the league are all getting stunts in their growth because like, there's no minor leagues for them to play in. And obviously an MLB team is not going to sacrifice their season by throwing them into the like league roster. Staying on the topic of the Indians roster, we're going to transition from talking about players who were directly impacted by the coronavirus and the new schedule, and now we're going to talk about people, or we're each going to pick a person who we think is going to be a standout impact player that we should all be looking out for. This isn't who we think is going to be our best player next year, just someone that or someone that Indians fans should keep their eyes on coming into this season that they may not otherwise be looking at. My uh, big impact player this year is going to be Cesar Hernandez, who last year hit 280 with uh, 14 home runs and 71 RBIs, which is a major upgrade from what we saw from Kibnis these last couple years. Uh, Cesar Hernandez has shown a lot of progress over these last few years. He's only missed like two games in the last two seasons, so he's basically going to be a lock at second base this season, and we probably won't need another second baseman as a backup on our roster. He's also an MLB The Show legend. This guy's batting 380 for me on the Indians right now <laughs> in the leadoff spot, and I'm playing on like a hard difficulty. Like Lindor's batting 260, so this guy's a beast, leading the league in home runs. I'm expecting big things from him this year. Yeah, I can't wait to see the combination of Lindor and Hernandez. But my standout player for the Indians, we're gonna go to the bullpen, and it's James Karinchak. He didn't play a lot last year, but this guy is a stud. Okay. He is a hard-throwing uh, righty, and uh, last year in the minors, with a, he had a whopping 186 strikeouts over 102 thirds inning. He faced around 125 hitters, and 59% of those people were struck out. He is an up-and-coming arm, and he's gonna he should be one of the best relief pitchers in baseball this year. Yeah, he's been kind of a hidden talent, too, since most people, when they talk about our young bullpen pitchers, they talk about Jeffrey Rodriguez, and they've been kind of like less known like he's a lesser known version of Jeffrey Rodriguez who's honestly been putting up way better numbers. The only thing he struggles with a little bit is his control, but if he gets that down, he's going to be a, dare I say near Andrew Miller area with how well he throws. Yeah, striking out over 50% of batters is like disgusting and unprecedented in baseball, and if he can even do half of that in the MLB, he'll be a good pitcher for us. Before I get into my actual picks for who I think we should look out for, I briefly do just have to mention Lindor. He's yes. been prone to get off to hot starts in MLB seasons. He's one of our better hitters at the start of the season usually. Obviously, last year he was hurt for the start of the season, so we can't really look at that. 
but he's somebody who starts off hot and then gets even better as the weather warms up. So he's someone we should be looking out, out for. Last year, he hit 284 with 74 RBIs in a shortened season, which is insanely impressive. I personally think he's going to be a dark horse for MVP this year, dethrone Mike Trout, but we'll see how it goes. The t- players I'm actually going to pick are a duo who kind of have a sim- similar role within the Indians, the first being Oscar Mercado and the second being Fran Reyes. They're both up-and-coming outfielders, one of them more of a power hitter, one of them more a contact hitter, but they're both players that will definitely be playing a big role for us. We all saw Oscar Mercado break out last year as our leadoff hitter and center fielder. He hit 270, had a pretty good season in his first real year in the MLB, and Fran Reyes he might be playing DH for us, not really sure where, where he'll play, but he'll definitely be in the 3, 4, or 5 spot. He hit 39 home runs last year. He only bats 250, but honestly, 250 is pretty good for someone who's hitting 40 home runs a year. So he's somebody that we should be seeing, maybe get a batting average boost that this season, but also still leading our line in RBIs, driving in a bunch of players with the long ball. Yeah. Framo Reyes is going to play that Edwin Encarnacion role that he played with the Indians. But my only concern about Mercado is that he started off the year really well, as we saw he was batting over 300, but then he dipped at the end of the season. I just want to see more consistent play out of him. Yeah, I think something that might benefit him is a shortened season. Obviously, if you're new to the league, 162 games is pretty daunting, so maybe the 60 games helps him out, and he maintains the hot start he had last year. With Franmil, honestly... I'm expecting a huge year from him. I think he's going to be potentially our second best hitter on the roster behind Francisco. And he says he's been working a lot on his defense, so he might even have a role in the outfield. But with the outfield, I think that's something that the Indians definitely need to talk about, especially with us only having 60 games, so not much need for rotation or really room for outfield rotation. On our roster... You could argue we have nine different outfielders who should be considered a starting MLB outfielder. None of them are real stars, which is a little concerning, but they're all in a position where they think they should be getting playtime. We have, you guys can fill in if I miss any, Greg Allen, Oscar Mercado, Bradley Zimmer, Tyler Naquin, Delino DeShields, Jordan Luplo, Franmo Reyes, Domingo Santana, Domingo Santana one other. Can you say Greg Allen? Yeah. Oh, Jake Bowers is the last yeah, Jake one. Bowers, okay. But he's first outfield. Yeah. He can flip between the two. So it'll be interesting to see what the Indians do with those players. I personally think that uh, Domingo Santana and Franmo Reyes will be rotating with each other in a corner position and the DH spot. <clears throat> Uh, Oscar Mercado is probably the only one who's locked into a yeah. starting spot, most likely at center field. Maybe when Bradley Zimmer Naquin. gets minutes, or Naquin, yeah. who are both probably better defenders than Oscar Mercado, they might take over center field. But I think the one person that we know will be in the lineup somewhere in the outfield every game is going to be Oscar. What do you guys think about those like lower players on that list and their likelihood of making the roster and having an actual like role on the team? I think Jake Bowers is interesting because he can play first base, but he showed some times that he became lackadaisical. He made some errors in the field, and his bat wasn't good enough to stay up there. But the problem is with, besides Fran Mill and somewhat Oscar and Tyler, and Tyler Naquin, our batting in the outfield is not very good. I think one player that Indians fans were 
hopeful to see last season, but didn't show up because of consistent uh, re-injury uh, injuries. But uh, it's Bradley Zimmer, and I could see him being on the outside looking in. He is very promising talent. He's really big. He's pretty. He's pretty great defensively, if we're being honest. But batting wise, he strikes out a lot which is a problem, but he's got a lot of potential and not having that minor league season where he could do a bunch of rehab starts and he could try and just get back into the groove of baseball is really going to hurt him. So he may be behind the eight ball compared to the other players. Yeah. Bradley Zimmer was, if everyone remembers, I think two years ago, one of the like most talked about young players in the MLB. Like there was that whole saga where they were talking about Bradley Zimmer potentially racing the guy who runs at like Atlanta Braves in yeah. between innings because Bradley Zimmer was so fast. Also, the Yankees also wanted Bradley Zimmer and when they we made the uh, Andrew Miller trade and they also Bradley Zimmer was in talks with the Brad Hand trade cuz he's he's very well uh looked at around the MLB. Yeah, he kind of reminds me of like he's kind of doing what uh, Naquin did like three years before him, where you have a big breakout first couple years, then injuries sideline you, you don't get talked about much. So we'll see how those two players come out this season. Another player who I can I'm considering as potentially playing a role in our team is Jordan Jordan Luplo. I honestly did not realize he's only 25 years old, which is pretty impressive, and he's been like. The definition of inconsistent in his first three years in the MLB last year or two years ago with the Pirates which is who we got him from he batted like 105 or something horrendous in the few MLB at-bats he got but for us last year as a role player who only played probably like every other game or one of every three games he batted around like 275 and has good power so if he can keep up those numbers he'll be a really good rotational player for the Indians, mainly hitting against lefties yes. in the like when we face a left-handed pitcher, you could see him probably playing right field. His his numbers are very high against left-handers compared to his right-hand numbers, and he usually hits most of his home runs against left-handed hitters. So left-handed pitchers. So when teams trying to bring out that left-hand pitcher to start off or bring him out of the bullpen, expect Luplo to come in at that time. It'll definitely be interesting to see how the Indians deal with all of the depth we have in the outfield, seeing as they only have 60 games, they only have so many innings that they can give to each player, and they do have to prioritize winning because every game is way more important now in a shortened season. Now I think we should look at two players who one is most likely, we think, going to bounce back from a bad year, and the other is more likely going to regress from an overperforming year. Andrew, do you want to start us out with that? Yeah. Jose Ramirez in 2017 and 2018 was a, you know, a, uh, AL MVP nominee, and this last year he started off really just terrible and was hitting just like around 200, I'd say, for most of the year. Until we saw him sort of bring it back towards the end of the year. He ended up finishing hitting a 255 and had 83 RBIs, you know, which is pretty good considering how terrible he started last year. And, I mean, with a shortened season, like 60 games, and him getting off to a terrible start in the first 60 games, I would really like to see him step up this uh, season and especially if we make the playoffs, we really need him to get back to you know around where he was two years ago. Yeah, I think Jose will be a very interesting player for us. 
Because if you go all the way back to like August of 2018 and the 2018 playoffs and the end of the 2018 season, Jose was struggling then too. And honestly, he was probably one of the main reasons why we got knocked out of the playoffs that year because he had a really, really bad series against the Yankees. Or was that the Astros? It was Astros. Astros. Yeah, he had a re- I, I just remember him having a horrendous series and that led into last season where he started off really poor. But he did end last season pretty hot. So hopefully, just like his bad play transitioned from one season to the other, hopefully his good play transitions from last season to this season. He's somebody that we all think is definitely going to bounce back and play a bigger role for us. Yeah, uh, one more thing on Jose Ramirez was in that 2018 playoffs against the Astros, in the three games we played against them, uh, he came to the plate 11 times and didn't get a single hit. In yeah, that, series. that was the series so, when Jose and Francisco combined for one hit. And, like, the rest of our offense yeah. was doing pretty good. But the two of them just, like, did a horrendous job and didn't help us out. So, hopefully, Jose's form will carry over from the end of last year. Now, the other player who we think has potential to regress this year, unfortunately, is Carlos Santana. Now, A disclaimer before we get into this. We all do think he's going to be a key player for us. We still think he's going to be a great player. He's always going to be a solid player. He's going to be a good player for us. But I don't see him in any way, shape, or form being an all-star starter again or putting up the numbers that he did. Like last year, through the first like 60 to 70 games, he was hitting insane numbers. He was batting like close to 340 Mm. as a power hitter, which you never see. It ended up falling off, and he ended the season at 281, which is still insane for him. Like his career average is 250, and the year before he hit 230. So what we saw from Carlos Santana last year was extremely impressive, but I don't think it's going to happen again. What do you guys think about it, Carlos? The one thing that you look for it that you can't really teach is how they look at pitches and how they see pitches. It's really just something that you have to have. And Carlos Santana has that. He knows what's a ball. He knows what's a strike. He's got great discipline at the plate. So that's something he's always going to have. So, you know, he's always going to be valuable. So he, cause he can get on base. It's just, will he be consistent again coming over to that next year as hitter? I think instead of seeing him bat close to 300, you'll see him die dive down Back to his career average around 250. Um, I think a good season for Carlos Santana is he's batting 275. High amount of walks, good amount of home runs. Um, but also, he's 34 coming into this season. It's just, he's probably going to regress. I hope he doesn't, but it's most likely going to happen. But- yeah, I mean, we really saw him early on in the season hold it down for us while some of our you know more star players and better players were struggling. And then as they started to, you know, pick it up a little bit more, we saw him sort of just dial back a little bit towards the end of the season. But, you know, he's just one of those guys that you would really like to see step up when we need him to and just really have an all right season. Yeah, he's somebody who's had a great presence when he's played for the Indians. Obviously, last or two years ago, he had the one season that wasn't with the Indians, with the Phillies, and he did pretty bad. But he's always been a big presence within our locker room and one of the leaders. Someone who I already talked about and think is going to fill in the void that Carlos might leave. Carlos will still be a big player, as we said, just won't be putting up the like 
almost MVP level numbers he did last year is Franmil. Franmil is an up and coming player, similar in like in the way he hits to Carlos Santana. He doesn't have the discipline yet. He's a like heavy strikeout hitter, which I mean Carlos is too. Carlos put up over 100 strikeouts last year. But if Franmil can develop his discipline, he already has arguably and in my opinion definitely more power than Carlos does he's gonna get more RBIs than Carlos will and I think Fredmill will most likely be hitting in the four hole for us him or Carlos the other one will be hitting fifth and I think he'll be able to fill the void of Carlos Santana something that's always been true about Carlos too is that we've talked about his offensive game but defensively yeah he's always been great He's always been great, and I expect that to change, uh, not to change. I expect him to stay consistent and be one of the best defensive first basemen in baseball. The final part of our roster that we haven't really touched upon yet, we did talk about a couple of the relief pitchers we have, but we haven't talked whatsoever about our starting, uh, the starters that we have for pitching. The weird thing going into this season is, despite trading two Cy Young-level pitchers in Bauer and Kluber last year, we still have six MLB level starting pitchers who most likely, and if you look at like news outlets, actually will be making our starting lineup. So it'll be interesting to see how the Indians utilize the six pitch starting pitchers that we have, whether one of them is pushed into the bullpen or we actually run a system where we have six starters pitching at a time and like have a rotation of six players. Those six players are, again, you guys fill in if I miss one, Shane Bieber, Mike Clevenger, Zach Plesak, Aaron Savale, Carlos Carrasco, and Plutko. Adam Plutko. Most likely, in my opinion, the odd man out would be Adam Plutko. I could see him being a middle reliever who, if any of our starters have a bad start and they had to come out like fifth inning or earlier, he can go in, pitch three innings in a game. But since a lot of our players have had this weird offseason. They won't be fully ready for the season. It might be beneficial for the Indians to run a six-man rotation, which we haven't done in a while, but it could help our starters stay healthy and maybe not put up the numbers that Shane Bieber, MVP-level candidate, might want to be putting up, but it might help him in the long term and when we hopefully make the playoffs and make a run. Uh, a couple guys to look out for in case of injuries. Obviously, we've mentioned Jeffrey Rodriguez before, but Logan Allen, who was acquired in the Trevor Bauer trade from the Padres because it was a three-team deal, uh, he was acquired with Fran Mill. Um, he is a left-handed pitcher, and he's got some great stuff, and I, I would expect him to get some starts, or he'll be a bullpen guy, but I hope to see him get some innings this year. To wrap up this episode, we're each going to go through our prediction on how the Indians are going to do this year. We aren't going to predict their overall record. I think that'd be kind of silly for a 60-game season. But we are going to say where we think they'll place within the division and then potentially in the playoff picture. For me personally, I think we're going to win the division. I think, obviously, the Twins are a good team. They made good additions. But if you look at every single player on their roster from last year, pretty much all of them did overperform. And you could argue all of our players except Carlos and then our starting pitchers who are coming back underperformed. So I think we'll have a good year. We'll like barely beat out the Twins. They'll probably, whichever one of us doesn't win our division, I think will be the one, like the top wildcard team. And within the playoff picture itself, 
I think that us or the Twins are going to be competing for the number one seed in the AL because of how hard of a road the Yankees have with the NL East being literally like four playoff level teams and the AL East having the Rays and a worse but still good Red Sox. I think we'll end up being the two seed in the playoffs, which is definitely much higher than other like uh non-biased sources would say but i can definitely see it happening i think we're gonna have a big year this year and our like bad schedule the horrible teams we're playing are definitely gonna help us get a high place in the playoffs i don't know how far of a run we'll make in the playoffs but i think we'll get a good seed uh i think the indians will probably win the division i agree with nate that if you look at the the twins very big overperformance i like the josh donaldson signing for them he fits their system perfectly but to think a guy like jake odorizzi who's solid but i don't think he'll be an all-star again this year i just don't see that happening and their biggest hole was pitching and i think jake odorizzi overperformed i think jose barrios is a very good pitcher but i just don't see them being able to carry that team yeah like nelson cruz who's like hitting like 38 like high 30s at this point he batted 311 last year for them. Insane overperformance. Yeah. That's like 70 point or 70 higher than he did the year before. So I don't see them doing much. The one thing I do disagree with you though, Nate though, is I don't think the Indians, if whoever wins that division, I don't think they'll be competing for the number one AL spot. I think if you look at the Yankees roster, I know Luis Severino is out for the season, and you know it's because I think he had Tommy John surgery. If I he had elbow injury, yeah, but. They're, they're, starting, they're starting rotation. Garrett Cole, Paxton, Tanaka is still great. Uh, J.A. Happ. It's still a great starting rotation. Their bullpen is elite with Britton, Chapman, um, Ottavino. Ottavino, Adam Ottavino, and uh, Tommy Canely. He's got a great bullpen. I, they're going to be the best team in the AL, and they probably will be the best team in the MLB competing with the Dodgers. Yeah, I agree that their team is way better than us. The only reason why I think we'll compete with them is because of the new schedule rules. We play a pretty bad schedule. The NL East is very good, so that's going to be a yeah. hard 20 games, or hard 16. We're not going to count the Pirates in that. and or Pirates are central, but we're not going to count the other team in that, the Marlins. That's like four easy wins. But that's still a hard 16 games for the Yankees, whereas we have a pretty easy opponent in the NL Central. I just I just think that the the Yankees are so good enough to overcome that that they're so much better than the rest of those teams that they can just win those games pretty easily. Yeah, I'd probably agree. I think I think I did say that we're going to get the 2 seed, but because of our schedule, there's a shot in the dark that we could be competing with the Yankees. But I don't think when playoff time comes and if we face them in the playoffs, we'll be remotely close to them. They have arguably a better player at every single position except shortstop. For my prediction for the Indians this season, I was kind of jumping back and forth between maybe getting second in the division or winning the division against the Twins. So I think think it's going to be really close with them. You know, I, uh, I do think that they did overperform quite a bit last year. And this, uh, they still have Trevor May on their roster. And that dude's just, he's a fan base cancer. Uh, he'd rather play Fortnite than, you know, pitch in the major leagues. So, Twitch I mean, yeah. Twins fans hate yeah. Trevor May so uh, yeah, much. Yeah, Minnesota, they, they don't like him. So, uh, I, I really, you know, I think that, I think I'm going to go on the side of us winning this year. Yeah. 
uh, winning the division. But I, I really don't see us, you know, topping the Yankees, getting that one seed. I could see maybe a second seed, but uh, somewhere in between two and three. So I think we're going to wrap it up there. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MadDogPod and join in on the conversation there. Comment on our stuff, retweet our stuff, like our posts, and just get in on the conversation and give us some of your takes that we can add into the podcast. Make sure to rate our podcast, subscribe to our podcast, both on Apple Music and Spotify, and also share it with a couple friends. Over 40% of our listeners right now aren't subscribed to the podcast. It doesn't change anything in your days. It only helps us. Like, you're not, I don't even think subscribing on Apple Podcasts gives you notifications. It helps us out a lot if you do it. It moves us up on searches. So please just help us out and subscribe. We look forward to hearing from you, and uh, we look forward to our next couple uh, podcast episodes. So thank you for listening, and we'll see you on the next one.